You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. Well, good morning. So glad you've joined us for uh, the worship gathering today. So we are in a series that we're in uh, called So Now What? And we're going to get into that. And um, man, this is a this this is a great time of uh, of the year for us. I mean, I love the summer, so that is for me. But also, this is the, the time where my wife Shelly and I are getting ready to celebrate our anniversary. On June 30th is our 30th anniversary this year. That's right, 1990. Man, it seems like so long ago, but also it seems like it was just yesterday. Um, so 30 years we're celebrating this year. And then and when I get to you know my anniversary every year, I start thinking back about the years and things that we've done. And, and specifically this year, I was just thinking about some of the wisdom uh, you know, when you get to 30 years, you think back and go, what have I learned in 30 years? And all the wisdom that has come from just really being open and asking people who've been married longer than me, how did you get there? For instance, I was a pastor of a church in Arkansas uh, a few years ago, and I passed, uh, was, was blessed to pastor a congregation that had a number of uh, folks that were in an older generation. And, um, and I remember one Sunday that was a one couple's anniversary. Uh, I remember brother brother James and sister Francis, James and Francis Briggs. It was their 60th wedding anniversary, and I remember uh, standing up and 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 I always wanted to include or incorporate, you know, if there were special days like that in some way as I could. Um, and so I was like, before we get into this this morning. We we need to just recognize today is the 60th anniversary of James and Francis Briggs, and they got a standing ovation. I mean, people, everybody stood and clapped and cheered, you know, 60 years. That's quite a milestone. And I said, I got to know, what's the secret? How did you get, you know, I want to get to 60 years in my marriage. How how do you get to 60 years? And James, without missing a beat, because this guy had this, this wit that was just immaculate. And without missing a beat, James said, I learned to say yes, ma'am. <laughs> I learned to say yes, ma'am, and and like the whole congregation just just laughed, right? And as the laughter was kind of still kind of dying out, Frances kind of lifted her hand up and waved a little bit. And she said, "Wait, wait, wait! That goes both ways now." He says yes, ma'am, and I say yes, sir. And what that what they were saying was, in the, in a funny way of saying it, they were saying we've learned to put the other person first. We learned that in order to make it this far, we put the other person first. That means sometimes somebody doesn't get what they really want. But you know what? We've, we've come to this place where we, we understand opposites attract. Um, and so there's a lot of times when we are on complete opposite things here. But if I'm caring about you enough to really listen and, and desire to want you to be happy, and you are caring about me enough and loving me enough to really care about me to, to listen and desire what makes me happy, we're going to be able to meet somewhere and somewhere we'll have opportunity. Uh, an opportunity for each of us to have to sacrifice or give in, but also we'll gonna find a place where we will find ourselves meeting and and going forward, and we can make this thing last. And then the Briggs is along with so many that have shared this wisdom for me. The real key is to is to base your marriage on Jesus, not on each other, not on your children, not on your occupation, not on where you live, not on how close you the proximity to family. All those are great and important things. But the foundation of your marriage is Jesus. And that's great wisdom. And so the, 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 the reason I share that is, one, it's, it's on my mind because it's my anniversary is, is this week. Uh, but also, um, 
thinking about wisdom. I mean, what role does wisdom play in your life? What role does wisdom play in your relationships? Because this is, you know, welcome to week two of our series called So Now What? And the idea is, so now I'm a Christian, so now what? So maybe you are a new Christian, a new follower of Jesus, and you're wondering, so now what? Or, Or maybe you're just, you know, relatively new to the idea of church. So, so now what? What about this? Or maybe for you, you're like a lot of us, we've entered into 2020, and 2020 has brought a whole new set of uh, experiences for us. And maybe you're wondering, 2020 is happening, and I'm trying to follow Jesus. So now what? What does that look like in this day, in this culture? Well, Jesus tells us what it looks like. If you look at Mark chapter 12, verses 29 and 31, a teacher of the scripture wanted to know what Jesus considered the most important commandment. So Jesus quotes the Torah to him. He quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and Leviticus chapter 19. And he says this, this is Mark 12, 29. Jesus said, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second commandment, the second law, is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And so this is what we're doing. We're saying how this is this is the so now what? Jesus says you're you're a follower of Christ. So now what? Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. That's so now what? But how do we live that out? Last week we looked at how to develop a heart of worship. Like like you know, if we want to love God with all our heart, we have to develop a heart of worship. And today we're going to look at take to take that an uh, step further, excuse me. And as we take it a step further, we're going to say, you know, if I'm going to love God with all my mind, how do I do that? What does it look like to, to move from the head, from the heart, to move from my heart to the head, uh, to my mind? And so what I'm going to do is look at a passage of Scripture in the New Testament, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 and through verse 16. And here we find a letter, uh, Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians, written by Paul, written to the church at Corinth. Corinth is the city, which is why it's called Corinthians. Um and this letter is written to encourage people who are following Jesus to think differently than the culture. Because in many unhealthy ways, they were acting the same as those who didn't follow Jesus. And, and, and one thing that was happening there, there was, there was a lack of unity in, in, the, in the congregation among the people. There were cliques. There were factions. Some, and some felt like, you know what, they've arrived. Like, we, we are it. We've got this figured out. We, are, we, could, we should be in charge because we, we have arrived. So, so this is really a, a correction that, that, that Paul sends these Christians to get their minds right. That's really what this is, is this, this passage. Get your mind right. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 6 through 16. Yet, when I am among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world, or to the rulers of this world, who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. His plan that that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But 
It was to us that God revealed these things by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's Spirit, not the world's Spirit. So we can know the wonderful things God freely has given to us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who can... Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. All right, so we're going to dig deeper into this today with this big idea. Becoming more like Jesus means thinking about God, others, and myself like Jesus does. Becoming more like Jesus, and that's that's what we're doing here. When we say, so now what? It's like, okay, I'm a Christian, so now what? I want to become more like Jesus. I want to love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I want, I want to love my neighbor as myself. Well, becoming more like Jesus means thinking about God, thinking about others, and thinking about myself like Jesus thinks. So here's a, a thought. I'm, I'm going to take a, few, a time to, to break down a few different thoughts on this big idea. The first one is this. Becoming more like Jesus means you grow. Becoming more like Jesus means you grow. Last summer, about this time, um, my wife Shelly was was uh, out getting clothes for the new school year. Probably maybe another month or so, but she was she was preparing to get the clothes for for our sons Jericho and Nile, who were going into third grade and fourth grade last last year at this time uh, for school, and. Um, when she went to go buy them school, she had made, she had like measured them and got the, you know, what size they would wear. And it turns out there was a huge difference between the year before going into second and third grade and going to third and fourth grade. And she was freaking out. She's like, there's, she's like, here's the clothes that are the size of my boys. And there's no way they're this big. Only they are, they were. And now we're getting ready, hopefully with all the situation happening in our you know, culture and uh, community right now. Um, hopefully, we'll be going back to school in an, in another couple of mo- a month and a half or so. Um, and so they'll be going into fourth grade and fifth grade. And so we're going to see it again. Uh, the clothes they out you outgrow them because this is what healthy growth is. You grow uh, further on and in, 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 into the next stage. So think about personal growth for a minute. What factors contribute to healthy personal growth? Because becoming more like Jesus means you grow. So what are some factors that contribute to healthy personal growth? Some things you might say are relationships, um, uh, what you consume. I know a lot of people talk about personal growth, and it has a lot to do with what you read. Well, some people aren't readers. I am. I love to read, and I, I consider part of my personal growth is, is, has to do with what I read. But also, it could be podcasts you listen to, or even music you listen to, or TV shows, or even movies. Doc, you, you know, from anywhere from from entertainment documentaries. A lot of different things that you can do can be for entertainment, but but some can also help contribute to your personal growth. Um, so we have to understand something here about about this letter that we read today, First Corinthians. Something about Corinth. It was a city that's heavily influenced by Greek culture at the time, ancient Greek culture, and the influence of Greek philosophy had made some uh, in this church. Some folks think 
in a way that they are superior to others, because that's where this Greek philosophy took them. We have something figured out. We have some knowledge you don't have, and we are superior over you. Not just over others in the in the community, but even over other Christians. And they, they weren't to the point of spiritual maturity. They should have been, because they were still in the grip of the world's value. See, they thought they were beyond all the rest, only the problem was they were in the grip of the world's values, and they weren't as mature as they should have been. So Paul awakens us that this mission of God's church has to be based on God's message, not the teachings of human intelligence. It's the Holy Spirit that causes the Christian to mature. So if we want to grow, we can we can we can understand a lot of things in, 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 in a lot of ways, but to really mature as spiritual people and as followers of Christ, the Holy Spirit is the one who causes that maturity within us. It was only after the resurrection of Jesus and the coming of the Holy Spirit that his followers were able to really understand God's plan of salvation, which had been hidden as a mystery since the time of creation. So here Paul says that that, that what had been hidden has been revealed to us by his spirit. The understanding is that the kingdom of God is not the kind of kingdom uh, made up of uh, you know, just the direct descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, where the Messiah will be king someday. It's a spiritual kingdom made up of all who've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, who is now reigning, in the, uh, he's now, now reigning as the king of kings. He's reigning in, as the king in the hearts of those who surrendered his lordship. This is the kingdom of God. So there's a difference here, he's saying, he's trying to point out, there's a difference between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom and understanding this. Worldly wisdom only considers the physical as reality. Godly wisdom, while acknowledging the physical reality is reality, godly wisdom focuses on the deeper spiritual reality. There's, as I like to say, there's something else going on here. Maybe you understand what I'm talking about. And we can, we can only understand this because we have what Paul calls the mind of Christ. To have the mind of Christ is to love God with all your mind. And, and, to, and by his spirit, you're advancing, you're maturing, you're growing, and you don't stop. You never get to a place where you're like, I've done, I'm done growing. I'm done. I've got this figured out. No, you continue advancing and growing. This new growth in wisdom means you begin to understand you begin to understand the truth about yourself. You begin to understand the truth about the culture around you. You begin to understand the truth about your own faith. And when you love the Lord your God with all your mind, you work out your salvation with as Philippians 2 verse 12 says, with fear and trembling. Not to say you you gotta be a be a scary cat, you know, be be afraid. That those words work out your salvation with fear and trembling literally mean work out your salvation with awe and great care. So the Holy Spirit does the work, but we have a part to do too. We have to learn. We have to you know, growth depends on the Holy Spirit doing the thing that makes us mature. But we have to engage ourselves in such a way with awe and great care. And the Holy Spirit helps you do this as you continue to grow and as you live according to God's amazing plans for your life. Now, when you become a follower of Jesus, his spirit begins living in you. When you became a follower of Jesus, you got the Holy Spirit to live within you. This means you have access to the mind of Christ and you get this new growth in wisdom and understanding. Another thought on becoming more like Jesus and learning to learn uh, or learning to think like Jesus thinks is having the mind of Christ helps you get a grip. Having a mind of Christ helps you get a grip. Now the scriptures are, are full of stories of those who need to get a grip and who God worked through. I mean, look at who he worked through. He worked through Abraham. 
Abraham, who he who he sent to uh, a, a land he didn't know among people he wouldn't know, and he was going to begin a new thing with him, begin a new nation through which all the nations of the world would be blessed through his descendants. Only along the way, Abraham, many he did some crazy stuff. Some of the craziest stuff was he would enter into a region, and he was afraid that the people of the region would would see his beautiful wife and want her, so they would kill him to have her. So he told her, "I'm going to tell them you're my." sister so that they won't kill me and so that so they can add you to their harem and so what they did was he said this is my sister and so they didn't killed him didn't kill him and then added her to their harem and and, and later on this this became all, all ish obviously this was this was there were some issues going on here and what happened was abraham had to get a grip on the things of god he had to get a grip on who god was and the reality of who he needed to be and another guy's moses Moses, you know, he's he's out. Uh, you know, he had killed a, an Egyptian uh, for for being a harsh taskmaster to one of his uh, Hebrew brothers, and he he's on the run, and he goes on the run, and he's out in the wilderness, and he's a he's a shepherd now, and and God meets him in a burning bush on the side of a mountain, and he basically says, Moses, you've got to get a grip. I've got a job for you. I've got a plan for you. I've got a purpose for you. I've got a mission for you, and you need to get a grip. On the things of God. And you need to get a grip on who God is so you can go and do it. Then there's David. David was a king. He's a, he's, he was a man after God's own heart. So you get the idea that, man, he had a, he got a great grasp, a great grip on what the heart of God was. But David also turned out to be an adulterer and a murderer. And he had to get a grip on God. And we get to the story of Jesus and his disciples. You know, Peter. Peter is one of the disciples, one of Jesus' closest friends. And man, he had some stories. If you read through the Gospels, you'll see Peter time and time again, where Jesus is like, "You've got to get a grip." <laughs> he even calls him Satan at one point. Peter makes a statement and, and, and about uh, basically telling, you know, saying Jesus, you don't, you don't need to go to the cross. You don't need to. You, need, you don't need the crucifixion. Um, it doesn't. It's not going to happen. And Jesus says, "Get behind me, Satan." I mean, he's like, "You've got to get a grip on God and on the things of God." Even Paul, who wrote this this letter, First Corinthians, that we read read from today, our reading from today, um, Paul, he was like, he had to meet Jesus on the road where he's trying to arrest people for for, for proclaiming that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is the Messiah, and basically he gets knocked down and blinded, and God says, Jesus says to him, post-resurrection, mind you, you got to get a grip. I've got a mission for you. I've got a purpose for your life, and you've got to get a grip on me. Sometimes it's hard to get a grip on God's ways and God's thoughts. How do we get a grip? on how God works. Well, Paul says, no one can know your thoughts but you, and no one can know God's thoughts but God. Now, nowhere does he even imply that, that we are gods here. I mean, a lot, uh, some, somebody might want to read that and go, ooh, if, we, if, you know, if I get to know the thoughts of God, maybe it's because I am God. No, 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 no. He's not even implying that anywhere in here that, that we become gods or that we are gods ourselves. He is, he is clear that when the Holy Spirit dwells within us, we can know the wonderful things God has freely given to us. See, before our surrender, before we started following Jesus, before the Holy Spirit began to do a new thing in us, we were ignorant of the scope of salvation. But the Holy Spirit is at work, transforming us from the inside out. Romans 12.2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, 
But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do. And you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. See, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Or another version puts it this way. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It means I now have the mind of Christ. I get a new grip on the things of God. See, the mind of Christ gives you a new grip on God's spirit, God's love, and God's truth. God's spirit. It's impossible to experience God's salvation and ongoing relationship of grace and peace with him apart from his spirit. I've said this so many times. You can know about God, but but that's different than knowing God. The mind of Christ gives you a new grip on his spirit that allows you to know him in this relationship. A grip on God's love. You know, the mind of Christ gives you a grip on God's love. We are now on a journey of grasping how deep and how high, how long and how wide is the love of God for us. And having the mind of Christ gives you a new grip on God's truth. See, there is truth according to this world. It's called relativity. And that the, and, and the, the, the truth of this world or the wisdom of this world is what's true for you may be true for you, but that's not necessarily true for me. And that's how our cult, that's how the world is set up now. That's how, that's how, that's just the belief system now. It's called postmodernism, by the way. And, and, and the idea is, well, I have a truth and you have a truth and everything is relative. The problem we're finding at is in 2020 is you have a truth and I have a truth and, and your truth is highly offensive and my truth is highly offensive to you. And what happens is we're not, we're not living in a world where everything is relative. What we're doing is living in a world where everybody thinks they're right. And we have seen there are things that are done and said that are coming out of Whatever's true for me is true for me. Whatever's true for you could be true for you, and we're all okay. And then we're seeing riots, and we're seeing hatred, and we're seeing things that are not of God being said, okay, it's okay now. And what what we have is something that's not working. But you now have the Spirit of God dwelling within you, allowing you to to apprehend that the, the real truth is not understood with human wisdom but by the mind of Christ. It's the teacher of truth. He is the teacher of truth. It's like you actually have the teacher of truth living within you. It's kind of like having, you know, the best way to learn Spanish would have a Spanish teacher be in your head, to be in your mind. This is what we have. We have the teacher of truth living in us. Now, we need to get this right. Because having the mind of Christ does not mean we know everything. Being a follower of Jesus does not, does not make you a know-it-all. There's no, nothing about this that says you're a know-it-all. What, what, what it is, it, it's, it's, it says we now look at life through the life and teachings of Jesus. And because we now look at, life, uh, look at life through the life and teaching of Jesus, we understand this. To get a grip on God and, the th- and, and God's plan, you may have to let go of something else. To get that there may be some things that you've got to let go of to get a grip on God's plan to get a grip on God and his plan you may have to let go of something else now second corinthians 10:5 says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ this is this 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 second corinthians 10:5 we demolish every argument 
arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. It's not permission to go start arguments and debates about, uh, you know, I know I'm right because I have the mind of Christ. No, this is about you, what the, the battle within, the debates within yourself, the, the, the arguments within yourself, the pretensions that would set itself, that set itself up within you against the knowledge of God. That's what this is. We can demolish those now because we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. This is not about us versus them or you versus somebody else. This is about you and the arguments and pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God within you. We demolish those now by taking every thought captive. This isn't about simply doing religious things on Sunday either, like church things. It's about every thought taking every thought captive. So so if we truly love God with all our mind, it takes us choosing to follow his leading and actively seeking his guidance in our lives. Now, the, the last thought, and I want to kind of wrap up with this for the next minute or two, is that thinking like Jesus gives you the green light. Thinking like Jesus gives you the green light. Here's what I mean, and I'll just I was thinking of the context of, of Shelly and, and I again and our um our marriage, our thirty years of marriage this week and uh how it all started, you know, with the first date like it always does, and probably like 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 most guys, I'm assuming um I just didn't know what she, what she thought. I knew what I thought. I knew what I kind of wanted, but but I'm always on this this thing of I didn't understand or didn't didn't really know what what I'm getting at is we went out on a date we became like best friends right away and we connected and after a while you know we we had connected and talked almost every single day and we you know had a couple of little things that we did and um and so I I, I remember one day and I, what I wanted to do is I wanted to kiss her I'm just going to cut to the chase I wanted to kiss her right. Because uh, I had come to the place where we become really good friends, and I don't know does she feel the same way I do, and and how, you know I know how I feel. I'm extremely physically attracted to this person that I also am genuinely interested in, and I'm very physically attracted to her, and I just want to kiss her. But 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 when's the right time for that first kiss, right? When do you I was, you know what I wanted was I needed a green light. Well, we went well, on a date for lunch. It was during the day. And, uh, I think we both, uh, she had classes at school and we both had work or she had to work after school. So really our only chance was to go out for lunch, but in a break between classes. So I went down to the, to the college and picked her up and we went to lunch and on our, and we came back and I was dropping her off back at the college. And I was just thinking, man, I, I, I want to kiss her so much. And she leaned over and kissed me on the cheek, green light. Now, just, just let the record show she kissed me first. But I'm saying, you know, I was looking for, I need a, you know, a green light to go take this to another level. And, and and there was this green light. Finally, she kissed me on the cheek. See, most of the time, men, we miss the green light because we just don't understand the mind of the female species, uh, of the species. But, um, but we, but we, we, you know, think about the things of God. How do we, how do you know when God gives you the green light on something? How do you know when you have the green light on something from God? So thinking like Jesus is how you get to understand that. Paul quotes from the prophet Isaiah here in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It's Isaiah forty thirteen. Who can know God's thoughts? Who can teach the Spirit of God anything? Then he says, but we now understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. He's like, who can, who can know the God's thoughts? Who can teach the Holy Spirit anything? It's not a rhetorical question, because the answer is now here. We now understand these things because we have the mind of Christ. He's not saying, 
saying that we now are in a position to teach God something or that we're in a perfect position to understand uh, all these things so that we can, you know, put other people down who may not understand it yet. What he's saying is we're in a perfect position to understand what could not be understood before the resurrection. We're in a perfect position to understand what could not be understood before the arrival of the kingdom of God in your life or before the coming of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now that we have his spirit, we have the go ahead. We have the green light and we have the green light to to learn and to know some things. So we have a green light, first of all, to gain insight on our path. We can now understand where we've come from and begin to see how God was with us when we never knew he was. We can understand that we were in bondage as slaves to our sin, but when we accepted Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, his spirit has made it possible to see clearly and be free. In other words, we can look back and go, I didn't realize what I was going through was for a reason, but now we get it. Because we gain insight into our past, he gives us the green light to go ahead and learn from our past and see how he was with us through things we didn't know he was with us through. He walked with with us through situations. Maybe it's as as a per person, individual, maybe as a family, or maybe as a people, or maybe right now in 2020, we're going to be able to look back and go, at the time, we saw everything else but God. But man... God was walking us, God walking with us through that. We get it. And we get it, and we get the green light, so that we also have that green light to allow God to work through us in the present. See, we gain insight on our past, and so we can allow God to really work through us in the present. As we are obedient to His will, we begin to understand more clearly what He's doing right now. It's all these things that He's prepared for us to do, and we begin to see, okay. God wants to work through us in this. And I have the green light, God, to allow you to work through me now to make this happen. And we also get the green light to pursue God's clear vision for tomorrow. The pursuit doesn't mean we never make a mistake. When we are pursuing God's clear vision for tomorrow, there's going to be some mistakes. There's going to be some times when we don't get it exactly right. But but what we do is we can apply God's word to our lives and seek his direction continually in prayer. That's what we need to be doing. Pursuing God's clear vision for tomorrow, is it means we live out the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Specifically, Matthew 7, verse 7 says this. Keep on asking, and you will be given what you ask for. Keep on looking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks knocks, and the door is open to everyone who knocks. And we all we always have the choice to follow the mind of Christ or to follow the mind of ourselves. As you follow Jesus. So now what? You have to continually make that choice to follow the mind of christ as we live by the spirit we keep mindful that it is through jesus we have salvation it is through jesus we enter into the kingdom of god and it is by jesus that we are redeemed and reconciled jesus is our hope so becoming more like jesus means thinking about god others and myself like jesus thinks so what are some next steps we could take to see that begin to happen? I would encourage you to do something. This is a this is a little spiritual exercise. It's actually a Bible study you can do this week. And I would say don't try and do it all at one time. You can certainly do that. I would maybe stretch it out over at least three days. Read, Matt, read the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Those three chapters. Matthew 5, 
6, and 7. And then compare what you read every day in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 with what Jesus said in Mark 12, 29-31. The greatest commandments are these. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then make lists. What you read in the Sermon on the Mount, how you know where in the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus pointing to love God with all your heart, or all your mind, or all your soul, or all your strength? Where in the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus pointing to love your neighbor as yourself? And begin to see, oh wow, I can develop my mind this way. I can grow and have the mind of Christ if I understand what Jesus says is live out this phrase that we love. We love the phrase, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus is saying, you need to, so now what? Live it out. Live it out. Lord, we need your help to lead it, to, to live it out. We need your guidance, Holy Spirit. We need your, we need your, to continue to be at work in our hearts and in our lives. For Lord, it is through your Spirit that we get a grip. It's through your Spirit that, that we can, uh, we can grow. It's through your Spirit that, you, that we understand you give us the green light. So Lord, help us to gain that insight from our past, to see how you've walked with us, that we've never walked alone through the things that we've walked through, that encourage us, Lord, that we're not walking alone now. And we can allow you, Lord, to work through us in the present and then to pursue your clear vision for us for for whatever for whatever's next, Lord. So we're going to keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on seeking, and keep on pursuing you, Lord, because you are pursuing us with love and passion and, 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 and holiness and justice and mercy. And Lord, we we need you. Because Lord, we, we Jesus, we want to be more we want to become more like you. We want to be more like you in our lives. And so we need you, Holy Spirit, to enable us, to, to equip us to do this. Thank you. Thank you for hearing and answering this prayer. Thank you for being with us. And thank you, Lord, for hope that we have in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AwakenChurchLA.